Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cocky Top Podcast, home of the SEC football show where forever to the Gamecock Brian Lowe and all the all Tyler McDaniel put their friendship to the test during a grueling football season, all while highlighting and fighting for their volunteers and Gamecocks, respectively, throughout their season, as well as our thoughts on other teams in the conference, as well as the league. So regardless if you're a volunteer or a Gamecock or somewhere in between, let's kick this thing off and talk some ball. What's up all you cock and balls and welcome back to another episode of the Cocky Top Podcast. I am your host, forever to the Gamecock, Brian Lowe, and always is with me my cohort, my Robin to the Robin to my Batman, the the Yeah. <laughs> all of all Tyler McDaniel. T Mac, what's going on, buddy? Oh, not a lot, not a lot. It's a glorious Friday. In October, it is the eve of battle for the third Saturday in October. I was about to say that is the the, the main the yes. main topic the uh, of this this episode is the fact that yes, you are correct. It is the third Saturday in October, mm. and for anyone that may not know what that is, you talk to any real college football fan. It doesn't have to be one or the other side mm-hmm. of what this battle is. They know third Saturday in October, of course, means Tennessee, Bama. Absolutely, it's correct. that weekend. It's that weekend. It's just like you ask anybody, "What's the Iron Bowl?" Bama, Auburn. Yep. There are certain things in SEC football and college football that stand the test of time and go beyond fan barriers. Everyone knows, and one of those things is the third Saturday in October. So, I'm poised. I feel I feel probably the best I've felt going into Tuscaloosa, especially after last weekend's game against Arkansas for Bama. Mm-hmm. That was in Tuscaloosa. Oh, and for Tennessee's performance against yeah A and M. I mean A yeah. and M at that point had not allowed a 60 yard mm-hmm. rusher in any capacity. And Tennessee puts up over 230 mm-hmm. yards against that defense. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm feeling pretty good. I know that there's a lot of a lot of fan speak going on between both teams, a lot of coach speak. Uh, but I'm just going to in this show we're just going to you know talk the facts. We're going to talk out things and uh, try not to let the the uh, the fan take over too much. I don't have the Vogels <laughs> on right now, so trying to stay unbiased and give you all a good episode well looking at the line right now alabama is favored uh by nine points the Mm -hmm. over under for that game is a total of 48 points so i think vegas may have learned their lesson a little bit last week with the tennessee a&m game giving them 63 points yeah (laughs) uh considering those two defenses so yeah they've definitely dropped the Mm -hmm. the point spread quite considerably Because while Tennessee has definitely been effective in running the ball, they're not averaging the same number Mm -hmm. of points that they did last year. That pace has fallen off a little bit. Uh, Points have been few and farther in between. But the defense and the running game has been phenomenal. It's just the, the air game has not really been there as much, with the exception of a few, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, deep shots, some deep plays. Um, of course, like the ones that we saw against South Carolina earlier in the season. I think we're at a point where Hypel knows that Milton can't run the same offense Hendon did. And it does kind of, right. um, you know, it shoehorns us a little bit. 
and puts us in a box. Um, and what was the unique stat that this was the first game in Heupel's head coaching tenure to where his team scored less than 30 points mm-hmm. and won the game? Mm-hmm. And it was his first win from coming behind at the half. Oh, gotcha. Okay, he had yeah. never won a game. That he wasn't already leading at the half. That he wasn't already leading at the half. He was. Not, he's not known for a comeback coach. He's not a come from behind. Granted, he's only had to come from behind ten times in his career. Right. Which is a great stat. But he is now one and ten at coming from behind wins after the half. Wow. Yeah. Well... Records are meant to be broken. So, they are. I mean, they are. And hopefully, my Gamecocks can can break a, a losing record streak this week against the Mizzou Tigers as they travel to uh, Columbia, Missouri. Mm-hmm. So while they'll still be in a familiar Columbia monikered area, of course, it's going to be quite a little, different. A little cooler. Yeah, quite a bit cooler. Uh, and hopefully, the weather um, gets pushed on through the area, and they don't have to deal mm-hmm. with any kind of. Uh, negative weather other than it being a little chilly but getting back to that third saturday in october matchup uh alabama is ranked 11th tennessee is coming in ranked 17th for that game um tennessee sits two and one on the season for uh conference play with alabama at four and oh in conference right now comfortably it seems in the driver's seat to take the west with tennessee well basically the east still to be decided, um, mm. just because of the fact that Georgia still has to come to Tennessee yet this season. Uh, Georgia also, after the bye this week, has to go to Jacksonville for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party to take on and amped Florida after the win that they got over my Gamecocks. Uh, it seems like we're we're feeding everybody else's fuel this year. Mm. Um, and It happens. I, I've got some thoughts on it that, that we'll discuss a little bit later on. Uh, but continuing on this game, uh, I think it's going to be still the running game. I don't think that Alabama has really much offense to speak of right now. Um, mm-hmm. While they are able to score points, it's just not a consistent offense. But Tennessee has proven that with their offensive line and the stable of running backs that they have, that they can be consistent in the run game. And they're what currently leading the SEC and top five in the league mm-hmm. in rushing. So uh, in yards per carry, total yards per game, mm-hmm. um, all the the pertinent metrics for whenever it comes to you know an actual uh, run game. So, but then on the other side, Alabama has been fantastic. But the same thing was said about A and M. So I mean. This could be the first time that Tennessee does get back-to-back wins against Alabama, uh, and it would be fantastic, of course, for the Tennessee fan base uh, overall to to see them get a dub in in Bryant-Denny down there in Tuscaloosa. To finish the season the way we finished last year with a bowl win at 11-2 last year, counting the ball we can only lose one more game well, I mean to meet last year's total yeah to meet last year's total and again I didn't predict 11 and two this year I predicted like more realistic like a nine and three right 
type situation, which is still decent, um, which is still great, actually. I mean, <laughs> we lose this game, we have to upset Georgia. Right. Or vice versa. We win this game, we can still afford to lose to someone else. Right. To, to repeat what we did last year. And then have to win out against Missouri, Kentucky. Right. And then at that point, of course, you still have to to bank on Kentucky dropping another one. Yeah. As well as Florida dropping another one. Mm-hmm. Just to be able to, you know. And then at that point, you're still in a tie, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Just because you'd all have what would be the two losses at that point in conference yeah. losses. So, yeah, I mean, albeit that it's not an east but see i mean you'd still have what would be the two conference losses but if florida happens to have two conference losses by the end of the season florida holds the tiebreaker against tennessee to be able to take whatever that next spot up would be um i know the conversation has been the last several years that it's georgia alabama and then the rest of the mm. there's a significant the space SEC. and then but to, before you get to the SEC or the the you know next best teams in the SEC that doesn't seem to be the case this year and I don't hear anybody talking about it I mean they're still like oh or you know they've been more down on Alabama than they have Georgia because Georgia has won every single one of their games while Alabama has only lost one of their games but a non-conference loss Right, and that's that's the thing. It was a non-conference loss, which is what makes it a little bit more, you know, mm-hmm. or not as meaningful, yeah. I guess you would say. Well, depending on perspective. Um, but I don't see as much parity between at least what has been on paper. Yeah, there's still a huge talent gap, but what's happened mm. on the field this year has not shown it in any capacity. And and going back to what we mentioned in one of the other episodes, uh, earlier episodes, is that SEC this year is just in itself. Taking a step back. Taking, well, not necessarily taking a step back, but they're like, I'm tired of carrying the world of college football. I'm, somebody else can, can yeah. carry the burden for a year or two. And you've seen that in the Pac-12 and the Big Ten as far as, well, with some of those teams, and ACC, sorry, uh, more Pac-12 and ACC as opposed yeah. to Big Ten. Um, but Georgia right now, still the only team in the top ten from the SEC. Yeah. I mean, you've got Alabama right there at number 11. I mean, just outside in Tennessee, you know, cracking the top 20, along with, you know, Mizzou in the top 20. You have Ole Miss at 13, but there's just a a small little smattering of of SEC teams in the top 25 just in general this year. And everybody, with the exception of Georgia, seems to be between 11 and 17, just a very few. Yeah. uh, uh, Probably one of the few, um, one of the first times in a long time uh, we've seen so few SEC teams in the top 25. Um, as of late. As of late. The last yeah, 10, 10 15 years, years yeah. yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Um, I think it'll be interesting uh, moving forward, depending off of what happens this weekend. I know Georgia's got to buy, but uh, so they they can 
rest uh, off of their uh, such difficult schedule that they've had this season. Right. You know? um, I think for thank them, God they get a rest <laughs> from the the terrible, just awful schedule they've had. I think more for them, it's not going to try to change what you've been doing so far. It's just going to be trying to get other players ready to step up and mm-hmm. take from from where Bowers is out and where he's shown that he can, you know, put the team on his back and be able to carry them to victory. Mm-hmm. Um, with him not being there and him likely being out for the remainder of the season, it, it it's a situation where they need more people to step up in the receiver room, in the tight end room. You know, their running backs really need to – the rest of the team needs to step up because, I mean, they couldn't be one-dimensional with just the one player, you know, carrying them mm-hmm. like they did at the end of Auburn, the Auburn game. Because well, Auburn had Georgia dead to rights in that, and then yes, they Brock did. Bowers was like, you know, stepped into the phone booth real quick, turned into well, Superman. and Put his cape on, put his PJs on. Because right now, uh, sitting at the midseason – uh, here are Saturday Down South midseason grades. Okay. Georgia clearly an A. Bama a B plus. Ole Miss a B plus. LSU a B. Tennessee a B plus. Missouri an A minus. Kentucky a B minus. A and M a C. Florida a B. Auburn a C minus. South Carolina a D. Mississippi, Mississippi State a D. And your two F's are Arkansas and Vandy. I'd probably want to read more into it, like if they give individual breakdowns for mm. the different teams to say, okay, what are the reasons why we are assigning this grade? Yeah. Um, like overall, like overall, considering the the defense has been abysmal for South Carolina, especially in 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 allowing some. Mm-hmm. really long yardage plays uh, some uh, explosive plays I can understand a low rating for that but quarterback play and offensive play uh, I don't see where like a uh, I mean I I'm not, no, by no means am I asking for like a, a B so throw in like just what the team's record finishing is finishing the game morale Blah blah blah. I don't know what all they throw in. I mean, um, it's. I, I, while I don't think, like I said, I don't think a D is a fair grade. But I mean, I guess in in this scheme I, of I things, I probably wouldn't have given a, a C or a C minus. I'd have probably said a C easy. I mean, your Fs are are pretty plain and clear. <laughs> but see, the Arkansas. thing about it is, is I wouldn't even say the that for Arkansas because Arkansas's points differentials have been less than a touchdown or touchdown or less against all the teams that they played including alabama then it probably seems to be their win-loss record is heavy heavy in the the deciding factor that's the only thing that i can think of with maybe maybe yards points scored i don't know i'd be interested to to see how saturday down south uh, makes their grade. I'd also be interested to see how they give out their awards because uh, their Week 7 SEC awards, best performance, LSU. Offense, LSU. Those two I would agree with. Defense, Tennessee. Best jerseys, South Carolina. Best crowd, Tennessee. Tennessee. 
So suck it, Danielson. <laughs> Do you think he just woke wakes up thinking, how else can I hate Tennessee? Probably. Like, he has such a... A disdain. A disdain for, for Tennessee that he goes out of his way. Uh, best game, Tennessee and A&M. Well, just the defensive, the yeah, fact that I, I neither one so. would allow either one to... Best coach, Missouri. Drink the drink. Drink Drinkleberg. Worst performance, Auburn. Most disappointing, Kentucky. Interesting awards. Well, at least we got fashion. <laughs> fashion is very important. And, and I don't see why, it is, as far as the best jerseys, because it's our regular home jersey. Like, there wasn't really any difference to it. I mean, we weren't in full big game I garnet. Think your, uh, I think your black jerseys are just quality. I love the black jerseys. Uh, and see, that's the thing is I'd like for South Carolina to be able to do another blackout just because black of the magic. fact that whenever... Well, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that South Carolina... And and this is where I think that it it should be a situation where South Carolina on the road uses black yeah. as opposed to using white. I think the white jerseys and everything should just go away completely for South Carolina unless it's a situation to where whomever they are playing happens to choose to use a black jersey for for their whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> but Garnet is the home, but black is the away. Um, I, I think that that just in and of itself as a program would be, you know, not thinking pirate or whatever, but mm. white to me, in, in my mind, my perception, I've said this before, is a symbol of surrender. No, waving the white flag. Yeah, waving the white flag. And not to mention, you know, you wind up in the grass quite a bit. It's going to start showing up on that white quite substantially. And it's almost kind of like the the Deadpool or, you know. Yeah, I wear red. I wear red. That way bad guys don't see me bleed. Well, I'm, you know, black. I'm not backing down. I'm not going to show if I have been hit or whatever. It's not going to show up as much. just going to keep going. And and I just, I feel that that should be the case. But, yeah. But you got an award this week. But we got an award this week for, for the best jersey. Yeah. Florida smacked him around. Billy Napier gets his well, second ever Florida road win, <laughs> which is which is kind of of like surprising. I mean, surprising and not. Yeah. Uh, I know that you're going to go ahead and take Tennessee, or or am I incorrect in that? No, no. Obviously, um, I want to take Tennessee. I I, I never want to bet against my balls because. I'm not a Vandy fan. Um, I can't always count them out. We learned that last year. Right. We learned that so many random seasons. Uh, We learned that during our decade of dominance. Um, Tennessee's just one of those over 500 teams that you can never count out. You know, I made the joke about Kentucky's. You can't always count them in, no matter how good they're doing. Right. (laughs) Because they could still Kentucky. Um, just like last week, freaking Florida, Florida 
they pulled a dadgum Florida that they've done to yeah. us for years in a row. I want to say that Falls win. Another by a field goal. God, my heart can't take that. I'm not going to say a field goal. I'm going to say we are up by three and pick them off as they're driving to try to go ahead in the fort. fort. I think uh, uh, Haddon saves us. Oh, has another one. Has another little moment where he, he picks it off at the end. He's started with South Carolina, continued with A&M. What's crazy is like, and I, get, I, I meant to tell, I meant to mention this. Um, I found out that at the Tennessee-South Carolina game, my older brother, you know, I didn't get to go because I had COVID. His, our own student section booed him. Yeah. When they called his, his name for the roster. That's abhorrent. I, I was I like literally clutched my pearls when Christopher told me. I was like, excuse you? Right. Get them on the phone. Get them all on the phone. <laughs> all of them. Um, I don't care how bad a player's doing. For the home crowd For to boo. For the home boo. crowd to boo their own player. I mean, let me, let me, let's imagine this. Imagine this was a peewee game. Could you imagine a human being booing a, a child? Of, of five, six of years five old. five or six years old. It doesn't matter their age. Booing. Like, I don't boo when... I don't boo when the away people run onto Neyland. Right. I just... I've never found it... I'm, I'm weird with etiquette. Like, right. I'm just like, don't boo. Dude. <laughs> Which is why most people would say, like, you're a weird fan. Right. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, I am. I'm, I enjoy I'm the a, sport. I enjoy the spectacle. I'm a very this weird is fan, the... But, like, I'm not going to boo them. You know? Yeah. Um. Uh. But then this, this last week he gets a just just a a smammering of of loud cheers. He right. was the loudest cheered during the roster. Right. I was like, good God! Nothing says more Tennessee fan than two weeks ago to this week. Probably because they all got a lot of hate online. Right, like even Vol, like we, the typical Vol, yeah, were going after on social media. Apparently, like who the hell do you think you are? You know, just because mommy and daddy could help you, or you got scholarship money, and every Saturday you get wasted and show it, you'd never boo your own right. team. Like that—that's just proof that like, are you all Vol? And this same dynamic happens in that was not the, all Vol. The Gamecock fan base. I mean, it's something that I see and have to deal with regularly. Like, shame. I mean, right now the main focus, of course, is against DC Clayton White. Like, not as many people are are about Shane Beamer at the moment. They're all about Clayton White and the fact that he's not being able to to put together a good enough defense to be able to keep some of these teams from scoring points, especially after what we had done the last two years and the number of takeaways that we had had, especially interceptions yeah. Yeah, yeah. and fumbles forced and stuff over the last couple of years. We didn't really do all that well in the portal as far as like replacing what had left, especially on the defensive side of the ball. It was more about the offensive side of the ball, and it's shown – Mm-hmm. What we have been able to do on that side of the ball with the transfers that we did have come in, but the the same just negative 
like full on negative energy that is cast from a a certain group of the fan base is it's always a fringe group that runs it for the whole fan base and then as we've experienced personally and you know after the Tennessee South Carolina game I mean I was at that time I was still rather heated one yeah it was a loss and two just how some of the fan base had acted and was you know acting and reacting um, speaking to the volunteer fan base the the amount of stuff that you see in and amongst the the the, the fan bases internally and then having that same type of energy whenever you try to look into perspective of a fan base for another team like that doesn't happen like me putting myself into the shoes of a of a being a volunteer fan and saying oh well this is the same type of stuff that I have to deal with as a Gamecock fan but you better not as a Tennessee fan say anything about what's going on in the Gamecock program and vice versa otherwise it's like I'm gonna fight all the time with my family but as soon as you you know say something about my family then we're all gonna absolutely the the (laughs) same type of dynamic it's the weirdest thing Um, what do you got for Bama Tennessee before we move to the to the Gamecocks this is where some of the the potential volunteer fan listeners who who may have you know garnered any sort of sympathy or or anything towards me may may be lost oh. <laughs> at this point in time and a small portion of this is like maybe 1.5% would be a quote unquote retribution type win mm. um much in the way that last year Alabama viewed the South Carolina win over Tennessee as a yeah. bit of retribution, so to speak. Uh, history. <laughs> I, I, I can't. It's hard to go against history. I can't right now. So uh, I, I'm with you. I'm If I were to bet money on it, I'm going to go the under. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the under 48. Um, mm-hmm. Just because they only wound up 37 points scored in the Tennessee uh, um, A&M game. Mm-hmm. So I, I think this has the potential to go the same way. Um, but I think it's going to be just a, just enough from the home crowd to, to be able to create enough uh, um, dissension uh, amongst the Tennessee uh, offensive scheme mm-hmm. um, and Alabama almost the opposite like the way you said that Tennessee's up by a field goal and and you know they they, they get interception it. fumble whatever With to, like to seal the game the, yeah. um i feel the same way just the opposite, just the opposite. so yeah give me Bama in this one and the thing the the wild thing about it is is either one of those could happen because it's tennessee bama yeah and history shows that especially and yeah. can happen yeah so so let's move to south carolina how are we looking Defensively, I mean, I hope something has done or some kind of spark has ignited uh, amongst the the defense, especially the secondary, because, I mean, not necessarily Clayton White's defense, uh, but Torian Gray, who does, you know, coach the defensive backs. Mm -hmm. The last couple of years, I just don't know if it's youth or lack of experience or whatever the case may be, but it doesn't seem to be there as much 
this year like that that focus and intensity doesn't seem to be as present so i'm not entirely sure what what it is with that as to why but if something doesn't get figured out luther burden and brady cook are going to have a field day i mean they made graham mertz look like a heisman contender this last weekend dude threw for over 400 yards and hasn't eclipsed like 250 all season up to that point maybe a couple of games he beat broke 250 but his accuracy had not been there but for all whatever reason all of a sudden against the gamecock secondary it's like a lights you know bulb just switched on and he's like oh i know exactly where to throw Mm. or or maybe it was he was throwing in his receivers other than pearsall you know figured out how to be in the right spot how to cut their breaks at the right time you know running their routes and being in the right place at the right time but that still i mean you know goes goes to show that south carolina wasn't playing Mm. to the level especially on the back end on the defense like they have in previous years and even before the current coaching staff come in i mean they were getting back to a point of almost becoming a dbu type status Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason this year, that has just dropped off. And <laughs> I, I'm almost to the point of like I was last year going into the Tennessee game, like looking at this as this is going to be an abysmal scoring game in favor of the, the opponent in the fact that we are going to Columbia, Missouri for this game, the first of two back-to-back road games in the SEC, first up against Missouri in Columbia, Missouri. And then going to College Station to take on the Aggies. So I don't know if, I mean, I'm assuming that they're planning on flying back Sunday and then having to turn around and fly back out to A&M and this is going to be after we've had the bye week and all that travel. I mean, I hope we get a dub against one of them because right now we're sitting at 2-4 and four and if we lose both of these games, we're going to have to win out the entire rest of the season against Jacksonville State against Kentucky against Clemson against wait Vanderbilt Mm -hmm. to be able to even be bowl eligible at that point so I mean this is full on panic mode for a majority of South Carolina fans I mean if you're even hoping to realistically be able to get to a bowl game but, I, like I said, I mean, I feel the way in this game like I did going into the Tennessee game and that, that there's almost no hope with the way that Tennessee was playing last year and South Carolina wasn't, still wasn't doing anything really. They were better than they were this year in being able to stop the passing game and Tennessee had the premier passing attack in college football last year. And we managed to do what we did. So, I mean, yes, there is an opportunity for me to have a sliver of hope. But I used to it is the slinnest, thinnest of slivers. I used to always say uh, before I met Maddie, um, hope breeds misery eternal. <laughs> so, but never, lo- but, but never lose hope. Right. Um, um, so, I'm going to have to say, man, I think you're... Um, I mean, and to, to go ahead and top it off, and sorry for interrupting you here on this, but we're going to go up against Drinkleberg. <clears throat> Eli Drinkowitz, that, that South Carolina in general has just had major woes against. Like, even before he came to, to Missouri, 
as mm. the the uh, App State. Yes. Uh, they still beat South Carolina. Like Eli Drinkwitz is is South Carolina's kryptonite. Mm-hmm. It seems like, and then Missouri. Just in the fact that since Missouri has been in the SEC, it's not as bad as it was against Texas A and M. But we're almost to that point with Missouri right now. They've won the last six or seven straight against us. So it's the last time South Carolina beat Mizzou, and I think this was in Mizzou, was um, it was Jake Bentley, I think, was the quarterback at the time, and this was a massive rain game. This was a monsoon game. I mean, the rain was just pouring down. Like it was hard at times for the the camera operators to even see the players on the field because there was so much rain during mm-hmm. this game. I mean, it was torrential, but but they were able to do it. So, <sighs> garnet glasses, you know, one hundred percent. Well, the the line on this is seven and a half uh, over under sets at fifty nine. Call it hope. Call it fate. Call it, call it, fate. it luck. Call it karma. Mm-hmm. I believe uh, we were destined I to get kicked you, out of this dump. I believe you are destined. You are poised. It is time. Statistics are on your side. If math serves me correctly, which I've had problems with math because it's so final. Um, this could be the one. And I'm going to go South Carolina. Wins by a touchdown. So Mizzou covers the spread in this one, but Mizzou covers South the Carolina gets the dub. South Carolina gets the dub. What do you think about the 59 points? If both of, If both of your offenses are on, then... And maybe that's what it turns out to be. Maybe it turns out. out to be a full-on shootout because... Um, Missouri secondary could be basically the same way that South Carolina's mm-hmm. has been. Uh, we're still playing without Juice Wells. I hate it, the fact that he's wow. played really one game this season. Uh, and we're getting to a point to where we are at game, what would be seven. Uh, six games have already been played. So at this point, he's not even going to be able to play for half a season. Uh, if he does get healthy for the Texas A&M game, that's only going to be five games that he can potentially play in for this year, and it is what would be his senior season. Now, I don't know if he could get a medical redshirt for this season and potentially come back next year. I had this thought the other day, and and I know that we've got some really good QB talent coming in back behind, uh, or that's already there, and more that's coming in. Mm-hmm. But technically, Spencer Rattler has another year of eligibility because of the COVID year. So, I mean, he doesn't necessarily have to leave this year. I think if you upset Missouri. uh, But, I mean, if you were able to have. But here's the problem Xavier is going to leave. I think depending on your record makes the decision for Spencer. I think if he gets more excited, you know, some exciting moments, he might be like, you know what? I want to do this again with South Carolina. Or he might be like, and that could be the case with some of the running. But at the same time, how much money is he making? 
I know it's enough to afford a G wagon. <laughs> Pass that. There are a lot of no, I think players he's, making more than their rookie contract would be. In the I think NFL. he's. I think he's in. I don't know that he's hit the seven figures mark mm-hmm. yet. If if not, he's definitely high six. So I don't know. Usually money talks. So that's true. <laughs> but depends. I mean, does does South Carolina want to continue to spend what money they have? On someone like that, whenever That's something true. else could be marketed better for another player, and like I mean, Lenore Sellers with the Rex specs, and perceived to to take over the mantle even next year, like Luke Doty is is still going to be the the backup QB, who several years ago was uh, Mr. Football for South Carolina and like was supposed to be the guy coming in to take over and does have. Starting experience in multiple games for the Gamecocks. I mean, that happened last year, whenever we, or two years ago, whenever we went through the quarterback carousel, uh, including a graduate assistant. And see, that's some of the things that a lot of Gamecock players forget, or, or fans forget, as well as other national pundits and, and fans of other teams. Is it Shane Beamer and the staff that he has gotten together there, albeit the, the, abyss that was um, uh, uh, Marcus Satterfield and his offensive play calling they were able to put together an offense with four different quarterbacks in a season and still managed to exceed expectations in his first year as a head coach of a major college program or at least a, a, a highly recognizable college program mm-hmm. and and they seem to think that that he has magically stopped having this talent or the the ability to be able to do something like that mm-hmm. the money is currently not there enough I think for him to be able to get exactly who he wants in terms of an offensive and defensive coordinator. Once he does, that's whenever South Carolina will fully skyrocket. What is it that Stoops said? You want you want to have a better season? Donate. It's not wrong. It's not wrong. It's not wrong, but uh, people are going to have to start spending the type of money on collegiate stuff the same way that they do professional football. Mm-hmm. Because that's the only way that those organizations are going to be able to get the type of funds that they need to be able to rise to those types of heights. You have the the blue bloods that are not having to worry about that as much, and those blue blood programs are ones that are still there on top now. Yeah. Now it's a situation to where it's not done in a backdoor sense. You're just going to have to pony up to to make it happen, and of course, it's not going to hurt for for someone to have graduated from South Carolina that makes it very big uh, beyond just Darius Rucker and uh, and a few other people that yeah. that are you know the larger donators. Yeah. I mean, half of the stuff that South Carolina has in terms of their facilities right now wouldn't be possible if it hadn't been for uh, Steve Spurrier and his family. Yeah. I mean, just because of the money that they directly donated to the school or that he just decided not to take as far as a paycheck and that money just went back into the school. But to to this game, 
the hope in me, of course, hopes um, that South Carolina is going to come out with a victory. Um, I really appreciate the vote of confidence, but until they prove otherwise, um, I honestly think that Missouri's not going to have any. I've, Yes, South Carolina may make it a fight. Yes, it may be an interesting game. But, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and prepare myself mentally. Uh, and this is a, a – this could very easily become a loss. This could also very easily become a win. So, I mean – but, I'm like I said, mentally I'm preparing for the worst in this one. Gotcha. Uh, Points-wise, I do think it is going to be over the 59. I think it's going to be – very easy for either one of these teams to score 30 plus points Mm -hmm. um especially like you said if both offenses are clicking with no problem so yeah uh i i'm not going to take the the line on this one uh but i'd definitely say that there's going to be more than 59 points scored in this one this portion of the cocky top podcast is brought to you by the gatlinburg brewing company with 16 craft beers on tap and brick fire oven craft pizzas GBC is the place to be in Sevier County. Gatlinburg Brewing Company has two locations to visit, one on the strip of Gatlinburg and one at 870 Winfield Dunn Parkway beside Tennessee Legend Distillery. When you stop in, tell them you heard about them on the Cocky Top Podcast from Legend Studios. Enjoy and cheers to you, Legends. Rolling out, no worries, no cares. When the car came out of nowhere, that's when my whole world changed. Pills for the pain, medical bills insane. I was down, I was out, but I wasn't quite done. Call 546-1111. You're in pain, yeah, we got you. You can't pay, yeah, we got you too. Boom. Turn your record to a check. The ones for you now call OEB Law. Boom. Turn your record to a check. We got your back now. Call OEB Law. Moving on, uh, the state of Mississippi returns to action this week. Uh, Since last week, Ole Miss and Mississippi State were both off. Uh, Mississippi State travels to Arkansas. Uh, Mississippi State Bulldogs currently at 3-3 in uh, overall, 0-3 in conference play. Arkansas, 2-5 overall, and 0-4 in conference play. Somebody's got to win this conference game. So is it going to be Mississippi State? Is it going to be Arkansas? Uh, currently, the line is favoring Arkansas by only six points. The over/under for this game at 48. I think Arkansas, with the baked-in home field advantage, is going to take this one. Um, I really don't see Mississippi State winning this game. No, I'm going to go with Arkansas, uh, especially coming off a high of, of playing Bama that playing close. Playing Bama that close in Tuscaloosa. Um, Arkansas's, you know, had a little bit of a rough season, uh, and but I think uh, I just don't think that Mississippi State can. Arkansas's offense is better than Mississippi State's defense, and I, I don't think that Mississippi State's offense can score enough against Arkansas's defense. Not with the offense that they have this year. Maybe mm-hmm. if it was the Mike Leach air raid, yes, but well, like you said, he's a defensive coach. Yeah. That's at the head coach now. Yeah. And usually whenever that happens. With weapons that Mike Leach had. So. Yeah. Yeah, usually whenever that happens, it doesn't make for a good mix. And mm-hmm. usually defensive-minded head coaches. Ground and pound. They want to run the ball. Yeah. 
and if you don't have a running game, you don't have an offensive line to have a running game, then you really don't have anything going. Uh, definitely with you, uh, Arkansas takes this one. I actually think that they will cover the spread on this, and I think it's going to be over 48 points. So yeah, give me Arkansas, uh, and it's going to be more than the 48. <clears throat> Moving to the other Mississippi team, both Mississippi teams after the bye week are actually going to be on the road as mm -hmm. number 13 Ole Miss travels to Auburn. Ole Miss currently sitting 5-1 and one overall, 2-1 and one in SEC, going to Auburn. They're in Jordan-Hare Stadium to take on the Auburn Tigers, who are 3-3 three and three overall, 0-3 oh in SEC play. Is this the upset Hugh Freeze has been looking for? This one has the potential to be the one right now. Ole Miss is only favored by 6.5 points. The over-under for this game sits at 55 I necessarily think this is pretty high for this one as far as the over-under. Um, I don't think Ole Miss is going to be able to get as much going offensively. I think Auburn is going to be able to hold them uh, a little bit closer um, in terms of overall points. While uh, Ole Miss may you know, cover the spread, I think this the, the 55 is probably too high for this mm -hmm. game. Um, but uh, I, I'm with you. Uh, I think this has the potential for uh, Auburn to be able to get a signature win in year one of Hugh Freeze. Okay, so yesterday. If not this, it's going to be the Iron Bowl. And if it's the Iron Bowl, then dude's legacy, I don't want to say legacy, but he's not going to be on the hot seat for several years. years. Yeah. Uh, so yesterday, before we recorded Between Two Barrels, uh, which, if you haven't listened to that, listen to it. It's a good episode. Um, you told me that a columnist wrote a very heavily opinionated article, the fact that if Lane Kiffin loses to Auburn, he should be fired on the spot. Yes. If Lane Kiffin loses to Auburn, I don't think he's fired on the spot. His seat definitely warms up. His seat warms up pretty heavily. Because I would imagine a number 13 Ole Miss, where they've been kind of hovering around for three weeks now, loses to an unranked Auburn. A, do, do they drop out of the top 25? No. If they don't drop out of the top 25 after this loss, I don't think he's fired. No, I don't think there's 12 spaces that they would have to drop, and I don't think anybody's gone over nine so yeah. far this year uh, after a loss. Mm -hmm. um, but with that being said, give me Auburn for the upset. My, my thought process for this is there are a few names right now that keep getting associated with the Alabama spot should Nick Saban choose to retire or the unthinkable happens and they actually decide to fire him, which I don't think is ever going to be the case. Almost $10 million? I don't think. A year? I don't think they're going to fire him. Oh, no. As far as that, I mean, $10 million is going to be a drop in the bucket to them. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially considering the fact that Jimbo's is still sitting at like $75, 78000000 million at this point. And they would have no problem paying that out in any capacity. Um, but like I said, I think it's just going to be a situation that Nick Saban is either going to probably handpick his replacement to go in there or, you know, 
but like I said, there's a few names that are currently surrounding this, or and that this are constantly surrounding it, and it is Lane Kiffin, yeah. uh, Dabo Swinney being the other one, which, I mean, I personally really, I don't think would have a problem with either one taking over the spot, but neither one, neither coach that comes in to take this spot, held the next three coaches that come, five coaches that come in to take the spot behind Nick Saban whenever he leaves, are more than likely never going to be able to live up to it took his Saban accolades before another coach lived up to Bear Bryant. Yeah, uh, yeah. Look at that distance of time. The number of coaches that wound up coming in during that that space of time. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's and and I would love it to, to see it happen at the end of this year, honestly. Just because of the simple fact that that's going to be one of our opponents for next year. Yeah, and it'd be wild conversation in the off season. For it us to talk very about much it. would be wild conversation for the off season. But I agree with you. Um, Give me Auburn for the my upset. hope is uh, Auburn but I don't gets think, the, the upset. I do not think he gets fired on the spot. They're in the plains, but no, he wouldn't get fired on the spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, this would be a uh, just a, a warming up of the hot seat. Mm-hmm. But like I said, and the reason that I led into the whole Alabama conversation with that. Is because if that is the case, I mean that could make for if not this, not this next year, not the twenty twenty four season, mm-hmm. but the twenty twenty five season, that that type of change could potentially happen in the off season. So, uh, last actual conference game is um, a non conference game when Army is going to be traveling to Tiger Stadium down in Baton Rouge to take on the LSU Tigers. Army com- currently coming in ranked two and four. LSU at number 19 ranked fi- or with a 5 and 2 record. LSU is currently favored by 32 points in this game with the over under at 59 and a half. Um, I personally would not touch the over under with this one and yeah. I think that Army is going to be able to cover the 32 points. I don't think that um, LSU while they do have a a good passing attack, I, I still don't think that, that they're going to be able to go up by over four touchdowns. I really don't. So I don't. I, I, I think LSU kind of decimates them, to be honest. I mean... It, no disrespect, but I, I think... It could it could happen. I just... I for, Something in my gut tells me that that's just way too high of a, a yeah. point spread. It's way too high of a point for score. for a susceptible LSU secondary. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that the the service, um, the service schools, Army, Navy, stuff like that. They typically lean on the run game, but I, I, like I said, I don't know. Something just something in me, just that gut feeling is like, and kind of like this next game, our bonus game. So yeah, speaking of the bonus game, we're going to go to the ACC for this bonus game. Uh, oh. You mean the number 16 Duke versus number 4 Florida State? Nay, nay, I no. say. We want to talk about Clemson versus Miami. Yes, just because of the fact that both of them currently have two losses, two conference losses, and... Whoever and me, loses this game... That's it. Is You're out. Um, and me being the the forever to the Gamecock fan absolutely loves any time that someone has the opportunity and indeed does take care of business against the my or the Clemson Tigers and this week the Miami Hurricanes do have that opportunity 
Um, and the game is going to be taking place in Miami. And I let you hear this earlier, and I'm going to go ahead and play yeah, this again for you guys right now. We're going to let you hear, first off, uh, our dear friend, who we like to think is our dear friend because we, we both listen to him and watch him constantly. Uh, we ne- still need to get a chalice made and laser engraved by our laser engravers for Cocky Top. Right. Um, this is Josh Pate's feelings about the game. Well, just giving some yes. some information, just, 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 some, just, some, just some, some precursor some information. Some perspective, some precursor information before we make our judgment. I, I think wounded animal mode, to say the least, is what you find Miami in right now. But now comes the very, very unfortunate task I have of informing you that Miami has not won an ACC home game under Mario Cristobal. Paper pop stat number one. Um, paper pop stat number two. Miami's last home win against Clemson was 1956. That was the year Morocco gained independence. That was the year the Philadelphia Warriors beat the Fort Wayne Pistons for the NBA title. And that was the year, and the Hoops could forget this one, that was the year Whipper Billy Watson beat Luthez for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Great match. Luthez press was probably broken out at some point. So it's been a while. Wow. The, the Lou says name drop. That's a deep cut. That is a very deep cut. That is a deep cut. For those those current uh, wrestling fans within the past 20, 30 years, uh, and especially you new, newbies, the Lou says press that many wrestlers have kind of taken within there, like Stone Cold was known for doing the Lou says yes. press. It was named after NWA heavyweight champion Lou says an actual person so for those of you not recognizing the name drop Lou says is a legend in the wrestling business yes and the fact that he is was a champion the last the time last time Miami, Miami beat, beat Clemson, Clemson at, at home. home not away home they haven't won a home game against the Tigers since 56. I'm, I'm pulling up the calculator to go ahead and do the math. Holy crap. For those of you that can do that math in your head. Good uh, for you. Yes. <laughs> Good for you. But it is currently the year of our Lord, 2023. Whew. And in 1956 was the last time. You want to take a guess off the top of your head? Off the top of my head? Yeah. Rant, just quick guess. Like I just said, me and math don't... Um, 60 years? You're in the right ballpark. You're in the correct number of decades. Okay. 67. 67 years. It has been 67 years since Miami has beaten Clemson at home. I want you to take into consideration the fact that during the 90s, specifically the late 90s, Miami was a huge thing. The mid and late 90s, Miami was a huge thing. Even then, whenever they were going to play for a national title, they still had not beaten Clemson at home. For that reason. Give me Miami over Clemson. Miami over Clemson this year. Give me Miami over Clemson this year. 100%. But yeah, 67 years since they have won at home. And I know that, that... Miami is being picked on currently uh, because of some of Mario Cristobal's decisions uh, in how he has decided to 
either go for certain things or not go for certain things. Uh, just decision-making skills all across the board. But right now, Clemson is favored by three points in this game. So home field advantage means nothing in this one mm. at this point. And the current over-under for this game is 48-and-a-half. He wins this game. Cristobal's seat cools down. Yeah. Quite a bit. Yeah, if he wins this game, and I know that they're going to be, because they did the same thing last year with the South Carolina-Clemson game. I mean, they had all of these stats and graphics, like, ready to go, ready to drop up onto the screen Mm -hmm. during the broadcast and saying that Clemson had not lost a, a home game in however many games. You know, all the different streaks that South Carolina snapped. That's going to be the same way for this. And the fact that you have not beaten Clemson in your house in 67 years. I, can, my, can, can you, my parents weren't alive. In 1956. My parents were not alive in 1956. My. So your parents have not seen a time when Miami beat when Clemson, Miami beat at, Clemson home. at home. That is, that is a just wild my statistic. Dad's 63. That is a wild statistic. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. I, I I really can't even fathom this. I know. It's insane. Hard Rock Stadium, Miami Gardens, Florida. Clemson 4 and 2, 2 and 2 in ACC comes in to take on Miami who is also 4 and 2 but 0 and 2 in the ACC. Yes. Both of them with two conference losses. Somebody has to lose this game. Someone has to lose this game. Someone is not going to the ACC championship if you lose. No, in no capacity. And and it's going to take some some deitous acts to to even get them to that point. To even get the winner, it's going to. I mean, because you still got North Carolina and Florida State. To. Duke is two and zero in conference. Mm-hmm. They're taking on Florida State, so one of them is about to lose. Mm-hmm. The other one's going to remain undefeated. And then that team is likely going to wind up taking on Florida State, who is currently 3-0, and who just mopped the floor with Miami. Yes. Yes. And and UNC has UVA. Yeah, they're playing Virginia this week. Uh, Wake Forest has no chance. They're currently 0-3 in ACC. Pittsburgh sitting at 1-2 in ACC. They really don't have a chance. Georgia Tech is the only other one sitting at 2-1 and in conference play. But the likelihood of that happening is very slim, and you got Boston College sitting there at one and two right now. I mean, all signs point to Florida State, North Carolina, for the ACC championship. Yeah. Other right than now, that, the only seven, that's the what we're only at. other teams that haven't been mentioned, you got Virginia Tech, who's on a bye this week. They're two and one. They may they got a little bit better chance than uh, Georgia Tech does, at least in my opinion. Syracuse currently sitting at 0 and 3 on the season for conference play. Louisville at 3 and 1 has a better chance than anyone who has a conference loss at this point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, unless something oh, uh yeah, unless something drastically changes between now and then, I mean <laughs> like you say it, it's going to be Florida State and North Carolina for the ACC championship and both of them have the potential to be sitting in the number one through four spot, especially if Georgia goes down to Florida 
this next week after the bye week because Georgia Florida is on their bye week this week and you've got the world's largest outdoor cocktail party with both teams coming off of a bye and Georgia coming off of a struggle win against Vanderbilt losing Brock Bowers Mm -hmm. and Florida coming off of a monumentous win taking down the Gamecocks in October do we know how long Brock's out done for the season as it seems I mean, some strange things could happen, but yeah. as it stands right now, I mean, he's for the regular season at least. Yeah. It's it's expected that he's done for the rest of the regular season because he did wind up having to have surgery on it. Ugh. So before we close this thing out, here is your top twenty-five at the halfway point. Starting at number one, we got Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, FSU. There's your top four. If we were to stop today, there's your playoff games. And if it was to be those four, I mean, give me Georgia versus FSU. Yeah. Yeah. Then we've got Washington, Oklahoma, Penn State, Texas, Oregon, and rounding out the top ten, UNC. And see, the North Carolina one is one that just bothers me in the fact that they are not ranked higher than where they are. And I know that it's because they're having to play ACC competition. But Texas, but they, Texas and Oregon both have a loss and are still ahead of them. Yeah. I mean, I've never understood. I've always been, and this again, this makes me a weird football fan. I've always been in the understanding, and my mentality has always been, if you're undefeated, you're at the top. Yeah. Like, anybody that does not have any losses should Any Division be One team that's undefeated. Ahead of anybody that does have a loss. They should start at the top. Yeah. And it should start trickling down as people lose. That's, how, that's just how I've always felt. Alabama at 11. Then we've got, of course, the Oregon State Beavers sitting at 12. Ole Miss. DJU, former Clemson QB. Yeah. Got them in the top 15. Ole Miss at 13. Utes at 14. Notre Dame sitting at top and rounding out the top 15. Then we got Duke, Tennessee, Southern California. When, when do you think that you would ever have made that statement? Duke being ranked ahead Top of Tennessee the, in football. In football, I had never, I never in a million years would have said that statement. Uh, starting at nineteen, LSU. Then we got Mizzou rounding out the top twenty. Your bottom of the top twenty-five: Louisville, AFA, Tulane, who used to be part of the SEC. Yep. Iowa Green and wave. UCLA. So that is your top 25 as we sit at the halfway point of the college football season. And, of course, that's going to be the AP top 25. Mm-hmm. The the JP, going back to our buddy Josh Pate, um, in the JP poll, he currently has Arkansas on the JP poll ahead of Iowa and Wisconsin, who are your favorites, to, to currently be in the top of, or at least the Big Ten West. And that's just because of how closely, and just talking where I mentioned earlier, in that they have not lost a game by more than a single touchdown. They have been within one possession in every single game that they've played and lost. So he's saying that a bottom-dweller SEC right now is on a neutral site would be able to take care of the front-runner or potential front-runners of the Big Ten West. Stout statement. That is a stout statement. <laughs> Oof. 
And, of course, I mean, at this point in time, Brian Ferentz, unless they start scoring like 70-plus points a game, is done at the end of this season because he's not met his quota. He is supposed to average 25 points a game. I don't think that there's been a single game that he has eclipsed 25 points. Maybe one to help the average. Yeah, contractually, he has to score at least 25 points every game this year. If that doesn't happen, he's done. And unless they score a lot of points, moving forward the rest of the season, he's done. And I think that's something that moving forward actually should be included in coaches' contracts. Like, I mean, yes, find a point, you know, a, a, a good solid point, and say, as like for a defensive coach, if you allow a team to score more than this many points average per game, then you're done at the end of the year. I would agree. Uh, especially these. Or same thing for offensive. If, you know, like it's written in, in Ference's contract for this season, if you're not scoring at least an average of this many points, I'm not saying you have to score this many points every single game, but if you don't average this many points, or the same thing on the defensive side of the ball, if you average... Or if a team scores more than this average against you, you don't have a job. I mean, it's like anything else at this point. Like, I mean, we've gotten into the point with with the bar staff at the distillery that they have sales goals. If you routinely do not meet or or fall in a, a prescribed realm of what your sales goals are, percentage wise, and in our world, if you don't, you're not doing your job. Yeah, because in any other capacity, in any other job, whenever there are expectations, mm-hmm. if you're not meeting those expectations, you no longer have employment. Uh, it, it has happened with me. I uh, uh, attempted to be a, uh, what are they called? Those soulless timeshare salesmen. Like uh, OPCs, OPCs yeah, yeah. OPC. Um, attempted that. For a couple months, and it's one of the worst jobs. Is, I found out real quick that, like, you know what? I'm just not someone who could sell my soul. I can't bother these people because right. I wouldn't want to be bothered. Um, and that's the thing. And like is, after a couple months, they were just like, "This isn't working out." And I was like, yeah, "I would agree. I would agree. I would absolutely agree." This is I'm not, not going me. to quit. You're going to have to, you know. Yeah, I don't want to quit, but I was like, um, "Wow, yeah." So. If, you're if not only your goals, if only government would do this. <laughs> if you're not producing, if you're not producing at the the clip of what is expected of you by the American people or by your constituents, you're gone. I and, agree. And that should be a situation to where midterm, like if you're not doing like you're supposed to be doing, contractually, I mean, yeah, we can ask you. You're Boom. Out. Done. Bye. Yeah. I think I think that that is absolutely accountability. Yeah, it's an accountability. Accountability. Absolutely. It comes down to accountability. Absolutely. Well, guys, that <laughs> in in all aspects, make sure you hold yourselves accountable. Make mm-hmm. sure you hold the people around you accountable. Don't make don't try to be the judge, jury, and executioner, but make sure and let it's known. Uh, and like I said, make sure that you're watching after yourself and that stuff. Mm-hmm. Hold yourselves and others around you accountable. In, in many things. But guys, 
On behalf of all volatile McDaniel, I am forever to the Gamecock Brian Lowe, and we will see you on the next episode of the Cocky Top Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.